Well, we are going to have a very interesting Senate race for the Democratic primary in California in 2024. Last week, we talked on the bonus show about Congresswoman Katie Porter announcing that she's running for Dianne Feinstein's Senate seat. Dianne Feinstein has been in the Senate about 30 years. She has not yet actually said she is not running in 2024, but Katie Porter has decided she is going to run. The latest news is that Adam Schiff is joining that very same race. NBC News reporting Adam Schiff running for Senate in California, joining a crowded 2024 primary. So two members of Congress now at minimum are going to be fighting against each other, uh, actually three because of Barbara Lee. Um, Adam Schiff announced Thursday he's running for Senate, joining what is expected to be a crowded race. Feinstein has not announced her plans, but already three prominent California Democrats have set their sights on replacing her Schiff and Congress uh, representatives Katie Porter and Barbara Lee. Schiff says Democrats need a fighter in the Senate who's been at the center of the struggle for our democracy and our economy. He looks forward to campaigning hard, meeting Californians where they are and listening to what they want from their next senator. You know, I got a few emails from many of you uh, fine folks saying, David, isn't this uh, isn't this dangerous? Isn't this potentially going to lose a Senate seat for Democrats in California? I I don't think that there's any risk of that. I really don't. Uh, I think a hard fought primary um, is fine and should be welcomed in uh, most cases. And uh, California is very blue and in almost for sure terms, we can say that the winner of that Democratic primary will be the next senator from California. For me, the more interesting question is, are these folks who are going to be running against Dianne Feinstein? And I think there's two dynamics at play that are going on now. Many of you, this this is not the type of thing we make fun of. There is a reality that there have been real concerns cognitively about Dianne Feinstein for a couple of years. Reports that um, she will meet people regularly in her course of being a senator and not remember that she's met them before or multiple times. We've even seen very kind of tough to watch public situations where Feinstein will read a question to a a witness during testimony, during a a hearing, and then immediately read the exact same question a, a second time with no recognition that she's already asked that question. There are real questions. She's getting uh to to um you know she's getting up there in age and we want to be sensitive to all these things. Part of this may be an effort to push her out by saying, look, there's so many people running. There's not even really a guarantee you would win. This is a good time to uh, maybe maybe move on. The other speculation about why we are seeing so much early announcement for this seat is that some of these folks, Katie Porter, Barbara Lee, Adam Schiff, they may hope that by announcing early, they will keep others from entering the race by showing, look, I'm a strong candidate. I'm well known. I have a good shot at this thing. Don't even bother getting involved. And I don't know whether anyone has been dissuaded so far uh, from entering that race because of the early announcements, but it is going to be a very interesting race. It's not going to be a race that will be material in terms of the balance. Uh, If Dianne Feinstein doesn't run, she's going to be replaced by by one of these Democrats because of California's voting demographics. And so in that sense, it won't be interesting to the balance, but it will be an interesting race to see the direction that Californians are are, are leaning. I don't have a strong opinion about these three right now, nor do I vote in California. So I am not 
inclined to come out right now and say, here's the one of these three that should definitely be supported. I'm actually interested in, interested in seeing how the campaign rolls on. Um, George Santos is now admitting to another possible crime. And this one requires a bit of an explanation. Business Insider reports George Santos hints that the five hundred thousand dollar personal loan to his own campaign wasn't his own money. Now, that raises questions as to whether that violated campaign finance law. He may be effectively admitting to a crime. George Santos made significant. Revi- by, by the way, this is George Anthony Katara de Volder Santos. It's, that's the person we're talking about. George Santos made significant revisions to campaign finances on Tuesday per the Daily Beast. The amended filings reveal that a $500,000 personal loan to his 2022 campaign wasn't personally funded. Experts say the amended filings add to the mystery of Santos's questionable financial disclosures. So the initial filing showed a box for personal funds of the candidate for that big loan. The amended filing did not check that. It also doesn't mention the source of the funds. If there was a guarantor, uh, because there's very little information provided. Another revised filing disclosed that a separate $125,000 loan from Santos in October to his campaign is no longer listed as coming from his personal fund. So this is over $600,000 that he previously said was my own money. And now it appears as though it is not unless, of course, this is just an error. Maybe the new filing is the erroneous one. With George Santos, it's always hard to know. Was he lying then? Is he lying now? What's going on? So a couple different things here. First of all, are we aware of anything about his campaign that isn't fraudulent? I guess it seems that he really is a gay man, even though even that was sort of questioned because he was married to a woman as recently as three years ago. But he says he was openly gay for a decade and blah, blah, blah. I want to be sensitive to that because there are all sorts of different reasons why someone who is gay might not be living publicly as a gay person because of stigma, social pressure, family, whatever. The confusion is he says he was living publicly uh, as a gay man for a decade. So it's all very confusing, but it at least appears that he really is a gay man and he has not lied about that. But beyond that, this is one of the most dishonest people in every sense, volleyball star who ended up needing to have two knee replacements because of the wear and tear on his knees, where he worked. He was Jewish. I can't even give you the entire full list. There are some rumblings. And I mean, we've heard this so many times with Trump, right? This is it. This is the end of Trump. And then it never is. There are rumblings that if indeed it turns out that this was an illegal campaign contribution from someone else. Because remember, there are different rules about you loaning your own campaign money versus accepting contributions this large from other people, which is not allowed. So there could be a crime here. There are rumblings that if it is determined that indeed he did receive an illegal contribution in this way, that this could finally be the last straw. This guy seems to have a similar resilience as Donald Trump. So I'm going to withhold judgment for the time being. The conspiracies about the Joe Biden and Mike Pence classified document situations are growing. Marjorie Taylor Greene is now suggesting 
that Joe Biden was set up with the documents by Democrats because Democrats don't want Biden to run again. Let's start with this clip. Then I'll remind you of the one from two days ago where Tucker had his own conspiracy theory about this. Of this criticism from Democrats of uh, Mr. Biden and his handling of classified documents. Well, they're they're right to say those things. But it also makes me wonder something else that that other people have been wondering. Are, are we seeing a setup for them to try to get Joe Biden not to run for president and perhaps make way for someone else to run for president in 2024? Huh. I think those are those are interesting things to think about. But I'm glad to see, um, you know, Democrat senators and different Democrats uh, just claiming what is absolutely true how reckless and irresponsible it shows that he's not fit for office. I'll say it again, impeach Joe Biden. And now we just have more reasons to do so. Yeah. So, of course, very, very quiet is Marjorie Taylor Greene on the Mike Pence thing. You know, sometimes when there's a conspiracy theory, you can plausibly come up with some kind of motive, but no further evidence. I don't even think the motive makes sense here. And what I mean by that is maybe I'm naive. There are many fair criticisms of Joe Biden. I don't think Joe Biden would be irrational if the establishment insiders, advisors, trusted people came to him and said, listen, you shouldn't run for reelection. And here's why I think if that was actually presented to Joe Biden, because top Democrats believed it to be true, I really do believe Joe Biden would listen. I don't think you would need to try to push him out of running for reelection by creating a fake scandal by planting documents. I just don't see any reason why you would need to do that. Now, one of the other important things to consider is, is this a confession from Marjorie Taylor Greene? Because oftentimes allegations from Republicans about things Democrats supposedly did are actually confessions of things they, they did. We found that out very quickly in the 2020 election. So Maybe it did happen, but it's actually Republicans who did it. I don't know. But the very same people furious about what happened with Biden seem to be silent about what happened with Mike Pence. Now, as a reminder, this is not the only conspiracy theory regarding classified documents. Two days ago, I played this clip from you for you where Tucker Carlson had the idea that the Joe, the um, it's hard to keep up now. The Mike Pence documents were uh, set up to make Trump look bad and take attention away from Joe Biden. He said that a few times. Then just days ago, Mike Pence sent his personal attorney to search his family's home in Carmel, Indiana, for classified documents. Right. Now, if Mike Pence didn't think he had classified documents, why would he send his lawyer to go look for classified documents? We can't say for certain, but it's entirely possible. In fact, it's likely that Mike Pence was asked to do this by federal prosecutors who are trying to build a case against his old boss, Donald Trump. Ah. Now, the point would be to show that not every federal official walks off with state secrets. Donald Trump was uniquely evil in that regard, as in so many others. See, Mike Pence didn't do it. So if that was the plan, and we suspect that it was, it backfired spectacularly because Mike Pence's lawyer. Yeah. If this is actually what happened and we have no evidence for it, it is completely irresponsible conjecture that I just came up with five minutes ago and they put it on my teleprompter for me. But let's assume that it's true just for the sake of argument. discovered classified documents. Yeah. He immediately loaded these documents into his car and drove them back to Washington to hand them over to authorities. Yeah. One of the things about most of these types of conspiracy theories is that they are either unfalsifiable or unlikely to ever be proven or disproven. And of course, we already know the difficulty of actually disproving some of these conspiracy theories. That's a whole other question. 
And so these exact types of conspiracy theories are often used by the right to dupe and to propagandize their viewers. Also, unfalsifiable conspiracy theories often are self reinforcing in the sense that conspiracy theories are often based on premises that can't be disproven. You can't prove a negative. And what that means is whether or not the theory is true, the people that follow it have absolutely no way to verify that. If you go with this one, right, the, the, the Tucker one, well, they this was all in order to help Donald Trump. Well, there's absolutely no communications that suggest that the Pence stuff was to help uh, to hurt Donald Trump. Rather, we found no communications, no documents. There's absolutely no proof. Law enforcement hasn't found anything. It's because they're in on it. The very people who did it covered up the evidence of the fact that they did it unfalsifiable, unfalsifiable. And that makes it self reinforcing in many ways. They're not stopping, folks. They're not stopping. And it is dangerous. We will have all of these clips. If you're a masochist and you actually were just listening today, but you want to see what Tucker and Marge look like while saying this horrible nonsense, you can find the clips on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash the David Pakman show or on our Instagram by searching Instagram for David Pakman show. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Pacman Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's Better, H-E-L-P dot com slash Pacman Show. The link is in the podcast notes. Don't forget that the best way to support the David Pacman Show is by becoming a member, which gives you access to the daily bonus show, the regular show with no commercials. You also get access to our entire archive of every episode dating back a really long time and plenty of other awesome membership perks. Go to joinpacman.com and use the coupon code BETTER21 for a huge discount. Joinpacman.com. The David Pacman Show, of course, continues to be a community supported program. That means you, you are part of the community, at least in my book, you are. You can sign up at joinpacman.com. We provide uh, quite a suite of member benefits for our paid subscribers, including the daily bonus show, in addition to the daily podcast, commercial free audio and video streams of the show every day. You get them hours before everybody else. Invitations to the members only town halls. And most recently, a new member benefit, which is that you get access to an equivalent of my soundboard, Obama. the soundboard from which I play all those exciting clips. We have made that a member benefit as well. Join Pacman.com. 
is the place to sign up. Okay, let's speak to the audience. Welcome, welcome. You can speak to me at davidpackman.com slash discord. Very easy. You join the waiting lobby and you raise your hand. And we are going to start today with, oh, I don't know. How about Mark from Los Angeles? Mark from Los Angeles, welcome to the program. Uh, what is on your mind today? I am uh, thrilled to have you with us. Oh boy, Mark from Los Angeles. I've invited you on, but you've got to accept, or it is going to go bye bye. And there is Mark from Los Angeles losing the opportunity. That's really too bad. Let's try Jack from Connecticut. Jack from Connecticut, what's going on, my friend? All right. Jack from Connecticut has accepted the invitation, but has the wrong audio device selected. Oh, fantastic. Welcome, Jack. Now I can hear you. Okay, fantastic. Um, wait, you can hear me? Yes, I can. All right. Well, good afternoon, David. Thank you very much for having me on again. Pleasure. I wanted to bring I wanted to bring up an interesting topic that's happening in about uh, two days time. Okay. So in two days time, the Republican National Committee will select um will have its uh leadership election. Yes. And uh, for the first time in about 10 years, there will be more than one candidate. Those candidates are uh, incumbent Rana McDaniel, Mike Lindell, unfortunately, and the former National Committee woman for uh, California. And I just wanted to know um, if you've been following the story and if you had any uh, thoughts to share. Well, I support Pillow in this race. I have absolutely no stake whatsoever and no involvement in Republican Party politics. But it just seems to me that Mike Pillow being RNC chair would be the most humiliating thing to the Republican Party. So that's what I'm in favor of. Now, I couldn't tell you, uh, Jack, because I haven't been following it, whether Pillow has any shot whatsoever. Like from what you know, could he end up being RNC chair? Um, I mean, given the fact that we all know the deep division that is running rampant in the Republican Party, yeah. Um, I my my personal guess is either McDaniel or Mike Lindell, honestly, at this point. Because realistically, I don't think the national conference will select um a committee woman from a deep blue state. Mm, interesting. Well, we we are going to see. I I hope it's pillow just for the memes and the lulls. And I know that that's a very inappropriate way to analyze it. But it's like I, I hope they destroy themselves, you know? Yeah, it's honestly something that the Republican Party needs to realize and wake up to, because if they really want to re reshape themselves, if they even had an image in the first place, they yeah. really need to think about things like they ever would. Yeah. Pillow as your RNC chair is not exactly a signal that you're sort of serious, that you're taking seriously the destruction that MAGA has done to your party. Yeah, exactly. But it was just it was just an interesting topic that I wanted to bring up. And uh, thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Jack from Connecticut. We will watch the election results very, very closely. Let's go to Ty from Iowa. Ty from Iowa. Welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Hey, David, this is my second time calling in. All right. Well, let's make sure it's not the last. Okay. All right. (laughs) So um, I just wanted to ask, um, do you think it's kind of weird that um, that um, so many people kind of list countries like China or North Korea as communists when they really don't fit the the uh, what's what is it like the the definition? They would have to be a yeah, the definition. They would have to be like, you know, a country of no class money or state, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I agree with you completely in the sense that um, communist and socialist uh, countries, it's it's not uncommon 
that it's sort of like communistic or socialistic for most people. But then through corruption and cronyism, there actually is an upper class that that I don't think that alone makes it not actually communist or socialist. But, you, you know, for me, it's less about is North Korea actually communist than um, focusing in on the specific human rights abuses and and just completely insane familial passing of power that exists. And I, I don't concern myself much with whether they really meet this or that. It, it's sort of like when you do the Jordan Peterson stuff where you try to criticize something that Jordan Peterson said and someone will come out and say, no, you're not completely accurately criticizing what he really said. You're criticizing something else. It's sort of like, well, you shouldn't really criticize this as a communist country because here's a way in which it's not really communist. I don't know. I don't get too involved in that, really. Yeah, I understand that. I think people should just realize that. I mean, there are people on the left that can be bad and people on the right that can be bad, you know, and I just uh, but I don't know. I just kind of if you really kind of look into it, some people have argued that North Korea would actually be influenced by like Japanese fascism instead of something like, I don't know, like Marxism like modern communism. Like yeah, listen, I, I yeah. it's it's mostly moot because I think for me, it's let's identify the things that are not going well and let's see if we can improve on them for the benefit of the people. And there are many of those things in North Korea. That's for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> All right. Ty from Iowa. Thank you for the call. All right. Thank you for talking to you again, nerd. Pleasure. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's go to Toppy from the Czech Republic. Toppy from the Czech Republic. Welcome to the program. Hello. Nice to speak to you, David. Uh, I'm currently a student from India studying in Czech Republic. Okay. And I have a question uh, regarding why don't all the blue states in uh, the US uh, sort of come come together and launch their own version of uh, socialized healthcare instead of relying well, on the national health. There's a couple of issues right now. I like the idea. I think it's more likely that the right way to launch some kind of socialized healthcare system is going to be within one state. Right now, the difficulty with doing it in multiple states is that in the United States, healthcare is state by state. You, you it's not as the term that's often used, Toppy, is Healthcare isn't sold across state lines. If you're in New York state, you have to mm -hmm. select from companies operating in New York state and that are offering plans in New York state. If you go to Florida, as I will be doing in a few days, hopefully, and if I live in Florida, I now need to choose from the plans made available in Florida by companies licensed in Florida. So it's difficult to immediately go across state lines. What I would like to see is one state to do a socialized healthcare system, and then maybe they can grow it into a consortium with neighboring states over time. But where I'm 100 percent with you is states can start doing this. And there was a failed attempt to get it going in Vermont, which has its own kind of backstory. I would love to see this happen. No, I mean, like the way they did in the EU. Uh, state insurance from one country is recognized across the EU. Yes, so absolutely. I would love to see that. I w it requires a bunch of regulatory and other changes, but I'm with you. I would love to see it. Uh, and it, it, quickly, a second question. Sure. If that's, um, you, uh, you have been transparent that you invest in Amazon, but wouldn't you like push for something more sustainable, like instead of us uh, progressives putting money in companies that we don't really align with? 
Oh, yeah. I, I mean, listen, it's so first of all, in terms of my individual stocks, I've divested myself from just about every individual stock I had. So, you know, I previously invested in Alphabet and Live Nation and Tesla and Amazon and you know all the I've mostly sold almost all my individual stocks. But the truth is, like, even through index funds, I am invested in little pieces of companies that I don't directly, you know, that I don't support whose business models I don't support. And that's an unfortunate reality. You know, Noam Chomsky was asked about this as well. And someone confronted him and said, you know, you criticize a lot of these fossil fuel companies, but you're invested in index funds. And so you own a little bit of them. And Chomsky was kind of just flippantly like, well, what should I keep my money under my mattress instead or something like that? I think you bring up a totally fair point, but um, it, it there are limits to what people can do. And not every action everyone takes is ever going to be 100 percent aligned with every moral principle. And, you know, the, the the simplest thing for me to be able to do the best show I can and to focus on the show is I keep my investments in really low cost index funds where I own the entire total stock market index. And there will be mm-hmm. some companies in there I don't like, but I'm going to do more good by by leaving the money there and then mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, simply focusing on the show. Does, does that make sense in any way? Yeah, uh, no, I mean, uh, last semester I took some courses and this university in Germany was incredibly left wing. And the way they do is they try and push their students to introduce students to companies that are more sustainable overall. So instead of investing in mainstream companies, you invest there. Like in the US, you have gravity payments. The CEO was incredibly popular because he uh, reduced his salary and is pretty much the same as his uh, co-workers. So investing in companies like that. That is that is perfectly fair. That is absolutely fair. And I think that's completely reasonable what you're saying. I I am, you know, guilty as charged. Yeah. Okay. All right, my friend, Toppy, thank you very much. I I appreciate it. Um, Let's go next to Mike from Massachusetts. Mike from Massachusetts. uh, Welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Mike from Massachusetts, you've got to accept my invitation to join the discussion. Oh, sorry, didn't know about the accept part. How are you doing, David? Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, I don't have so much of a question, but just kind of like an observation and what your thoughts might be on it. Um, <clears throat> I apologize if I sound kind of nasally getting over uh, getting over cold, but no problem. Uh, so I actually watched recently while I was, you know, had some downtime on the couch getting over this cold. I watched a docuseries on Netflix uh, called World War Two in Color, which okay. was pretty interesting. And there was an episode dedicated at least partly to the rise of the uh, anti-Semitic policies in Germany and like how that just how that just kind of how that came to be. Because a lot of times people ask themselves, you know, how did the German people not see this coming? Yeah. Um and what they des- what they described is, and I know people get tired of the comparison, but I mean, it is strikingly similar to narratives and things being said, not just about Jews, but other minorities in this country today uh, by the right. And, you know, I mean, they, a lot of the, a lot of the a lot of the argument as to why the German people never did anything is because a lot of them just assumed things would never go that far, quote unquote, you know, uh, they would never actually 
legalize persecution and whatnot. And I just am curious, like how you think, how you think the two situations compared from today in America to them in the, to them in the thirties. You know, this is so tough because anytime you delve into this, it's very hard to avoid either being not concerned enough or sounding hyperbolic and 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 alarmist. Right. So it's it's very, very difficult. So I'm going to try to like speak as precisely as possible. I don't think that circumstances for Jews in the U.S. today are anything like circumstances for Jews in pre-World War II Germany. I think the starting points are very different. I also think that we are seeing a growth of a rhetoric about Jews in the U.S. and that that rhetoric is more acceptable than it's been for a long time, as we can see sort of like in the reactions to stuff Kanye said, where people going, listen, Kanye is just kind of telling the truth or whatever the case may be. That scares me because it's the type of acceptance or or at least disregard for the concern that was present in pre-World War II Germany. So like I, 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 I'm I'm not equivocating, but I'm just sort of saying like the circumstances are different, but a lot of the flippant attitude does seem similar. And I do think we need to be very concerned about that. Right. And it's based on what the documentary like talked about. It was like that those attitudes people thought like we can have these attitudes like it's fine, but it's never going to become policy until it did become policy. Um, Absolutely. So it's just kind of interesting that people kind of feel like they could see these things coming, but really it's easier for it to slip by than people like to think. Yep. I completely um, agree with you. I completely agree. And the, and the trick is if you go too alarmist, people dismiss you. So what we need to do is find a way to communicate the alarm in a way that's accurate, but that doesn't get people to, to just tune it out. Right. I mean, and it's interesting, like something else, and this will be my last point, I'll let you move on. But it's interesting, like something else I learned from the documentary was like, you know, the narrative of World War II is obviously, you know, America and Britain and a few other allies fighting a courageous war against just pure evil, like good evil, all the all that, all that stuff. But something interesting I learned is that the allies actually acquired a ton of evidence against tons of Nazi officers who participated in the Holocaust in exterminating the Jewish population as best they could. Yeah. And interestingly enough, there was actually, and while the American population was outraged by it, there was actually a pretty large anti-Semitic voice in the U.S. government that pressured the rest of the allies to drop charges against these people uh, in exchange for American financial aid following the war. Yes. So it's just, it's just interesting that there are things that <laughs> that's a significant piece of information I did not know until the other night. And that's just like one of these things that I feel like is important for Americans to learn. But the right would never want anyone to learn about that. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Mike, I appreciate the call. OK. All right. Have a good one. All right. There's Mike from Massachusetts. Let's go next to Dan from Oregon. Dan from Oregon. Welcome to the program. Uh, what's on your mind today? And Dan, you've got to accept my invitation to join me here on the show. All right. Well, looks like we've got no Dan. Let's go uh, instead to Brian from Ireland. Brian from Ireland. Welcome to the program. Hi, David. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, just before my question, I just wanted to tell you about a kind of a, a new initiative I've 
launched. It's basically an award, um, and it's called the the best way to make money, but when everyone else makes money to fund themselves, it's bad. Award. Right. I think the bonus and, show probably is deserving of this award. Well, you know, I've got good news for you. Yeah, I'm officially presenting it to you here today. So <laughs> Thank you. On that. I, I couldn't. I, and, to, and from such a country as allied with us as Ireland, I couldn't be more glad. Very strong uh, ally indeed. Thank you. I just wanted to, um, and sorry if this is something you've dealt with already in, in a previous show, but I haven't heard so much. Um, the fact that the House and the Senate are now divided, you know, Republicans with the House and Democrats with the Senate. Um, and as you've said before, Republicans are basically just going to be obstructionist and not allow anything to get done for the next couple of years. Yeah. Do, do you think, like, based on both your own opinion and based on um, historical evidence, will that be will that be good for the Republicans' uh, electoral chances going forward, or will it be damaging? Is there is there data on this? I don't know that I've seen data, um, and I don't know that I necessarily have an answer. I mean, what what's your thought? Well, I mean. I like to think it would be bad. I like to think that people would reward, um, you know, productive governance and getting things done for the good of the people. But, it just doesn't always happen, you know, you know? and particularly, no. you know, the other thing is Republicans have Republicans have really done something clever, which is they've trained many of their followers to reward exactly the opposite of what you and I would reward. Like when they train their followers that, hey, you know, actually government not doing stuff is good. They then can get rewarded for obstruction, right? They, they say, we yeah. we have done a really good job by keeping government small and not doing anything and not letting Democrats do anything. They have cultivated a followers, a group of followers that would agree with that. And so it's very hard to make these assessments of what would be seen as good or bad by Republican voters. That's true. Yeah. And, and often those people that you're talking about that have been convinced to vote this way. You know, it's, it's not in their interest at all. It's such a it's such a shame, really. It really is. And unfortunately, Democrats have not done a great job yet of figuring out their way around this. Yeah, 100 yeah, no, percent. Thanks for the answer. On that. My pleasure. Um, there is Brian from Ireland. Great to hear from you. We are taking a very quick break. We're still taking calls, so there's no need to hang up uh, very quick break and back right after this. If you value what we do at The David Pakman Show, remember to support us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash David Pakman Show, where you can get access to behind the scenes videos, the daily bonus show, the commercial free daily show, as well as special discounts on merch, including hats, hoodies, mugs and T-shirts. You can support the show for as little as two dollars a month. Check it out at patreon.com slash David Pakman show. Let's hear from a few more people taking calls today via discord at davidpackmancom slash discord. Let's hear uh, next from how about Rick from Southeast Texas, Rick from Southeast Texas. Welcome to the program. What is on your mind today? Hey, David. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So, hey, my question is regarding, um, well, of course, uh, you know, the current state of U.S. politics. What else? What else could I talk about? Um, so my question is, you know, with, with George Santos, um, I, I wrote a little uh, something in my notes, um, but it's a little outdated now. I thought that he was going to resign, but of course, he doesn't have a spine. So that doesn't work out. And so. Do you think that there is a possibility with the slim majority that 
you know, whether it be through unintended uh, deaths or, or re resignations, do you think that the Democrats could retake the House by just that? Well, I don't know about that. So, so, I mean, we've got the Santos resignation that is maybe going to happen. I don't know. It seems like pressure is sort of starting to, to loosen on Santos a little bit. But I don't know the the math of the other stuff. You're you're saying there could be way more unintended deaths among Republican members of the House than Democrats, and maybe that could shift the balance back to Democrats. Because remember, uh, with a lot of those, if someone dies in office, I don't remember. Is it the governors that get to appoint a temporary replacement? In which case, red state governors would just appoint Republicans again. I, I just don't know that that makes sense. I'm not sure I'm understanding how it would work. Yeah, I guess I wanted to relate it kind of what where you've been talking about in prior episodes where you know, obviously Republicans are less prone to get vaccines, although we know congressmen, congresspeople are probably smart enough to lie to people that get the vaccine behind their backs, which, you know, we know it's going we know what's going on. And so I was thinking maybe that could play a factor. I was just thinking, you know, you're more educated than a Stern graduate. <laughs> and so I just want so I just wanted to, you know, th that's all I wanted to say. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, um, I was just kind of thinking about that. And I, I don't know. I, I, I that's what I Listen, thought. I, I, all of these things, I think the issue with all of these things is that they often become a replacement for just figuring out how to win elections. And to that yeah. extent, it, they are a distraction. You know, if if some Republicans are going to die and somehow it'll make Democrats in the majority for some brief period of, until the next election, you can't do anything about that unless your suggestion is to go out and kill Republicans, which obviously you're oh, not no. doing and, and neither am I. I just think it's like there's no point in even really wasting too much time thinking about it. Let's focus on winning the next election, you know? Absolutely. No, I, I'm right there with you. Thank you so much My uh, pleasure. for having me, David. All right. There is Rick from Southeast Texas. Great to have you. Why don't we go? Um, why don't we go next to Sal from Malden, Massachusetts? Sal, welcome to the program. Hello, David. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Hi. Um, so I was just calling um, just to see if you had any um, or if you knew anything about this current case um, about an Angie Diaz murder case? No. Um, have you heard of it? Have not heard of it. Oh, okay. okay. Um, basically, it's just about um, a woman who was married uh, with a citizen, a United States citizen. Um, there's a lot of background where um, it looks like they may have done it due to um, immigration purposes. So, Relating this to just immigration policy, um, I find it that there's a lot of issues going on with immigration that's that seems to stem from United States intervention. Um, do you think that the United States um, or um, if this should be proposed um, to give those coming from Central America affected by um, U.S. policy, basically providing amnesty for people affected from uh, United States intervention. You're saying the U.S. takes some action that, for example, affects people in Guatemala. As a result, the U.S. bears a responsibility and should then offer amnesty to Guatemalans who are in the U.S. illegally. 
Yes. And are and is it be, to all Guatemalans in the U.S. illegally or only Guatemalans in the U.S. illegally as a direct result of the American intervention in Guatemala? Uh, the second, the second thing. I mean, listen, I don't know how you actually do something like that. Um, the, the truth is, so the U.S. already has a process for asylum seeking based on the circumstances in one's home country. And those requests are you know, adjudicated through a process. It sounds like what you're saying is if the reason for the asylum can be shown to be a direct result of American policy, then a sort of priority is given and like they are definitely granted asylum. I mean, I think it's interesting. I'll, I think it's completely impractical and unlikely to happen. But I do think that morally it's a very interesting issue that you bring up. Uh, yeah, um, I tend to lean more on the um, blind amnesty just because I've uh, read a lot about uh, Latin America. But um, that's a uh, definitely interesting take, David. Um, and I just had a second quick question, more on the production of the David Pakman show. Sure. Uh, is that okay? Yeah. Um, so just random. Uh, the music that you used to have in between segments. Yeah. Um, have you ever thought of bringing that back? You know, not really. And mostly the reason is that music generally causes copyright issues. We also needed more time. That was when we needed to fill time for affiliates for a particular reason. The, the kind of right now, what we've done over time is instead of having 40 minutes of content per hour, we now have 55 minutes of content per hour. And part mm -hmm. of that is that we got rid of that music. So it would only come back in 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 lieu of content. And I don't think most people want that. Oh, OK. Yeah. Oh, but so if some people would there. rather 12 minutes of music instead of me talking, by all means, let me know, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should really say uh, David Pakman album. <laughs> maybe so. Maybe so. All right, Sal. Good to hear from you. Thank you. All right. There we go. Let's go next to David from Philadelphia. David from Philadelphia. Welcome, sir. What is on your mind today? How are you doing, David? I'm a longtime listener. Big Thank fan. you. I Great to hear from you. I think I think you're better than um Better than pretty much every other podcaster. I think the Young Turks, uh, they're on a pedestal too much. You're very pragmatic, which is why I listen to you. I appreciate uh, all compliments. Okay, so something I want to bring up because it does strike it. It's a little bit personal. I grew up with uh, parents who, well, a mother and a stepfather who became MAGA. But you were talking about how Jim Brewer yep. would uh, put on that crappy comedy routine and everybody's laughing hysterically just because he's making uh, jokes at the yeah. expense of who they don't like. Yes. I don't think they really find it funny. Oh, really? So let me just yeah. make sure before you give me your commentary, what David's referring to is we've played these clips from the Reawaken America tour. It's like a right wing religious anti-vax. It's almost like a revival type thing. They do it in a circus tent sometimes or a church tent. And Jim Brewer does these routines where he jokes. He like walks around what he pretends to be like a parakeet or something. I don't know. And he makes stupid faces. And in the most recent one, he fell down on the ground, kind of mocking Damar Hamlin. And the idea that Damar Hamlin actually suffered a cardiac arrest from the covid vaccine. And one of the things I commented on, as David is pointing out, is people in the audience are laughing hysterically like they've never seen, you know, a, a comedy movie like somehow this is funny to them. They must be incredibly sheltered. You're saying, David, they don't really find it funny. They're pretending. 
I think they are trying to laugh at it. They're forcing the laughter out of themselves. Hmm. And I'll explain why. This is why I brought up my uh, parents. I'll try to keep make this anecdote as short as possible. Okay. Um, me and my mom, back when we were closer, we watched this TV show called Supernatural. Okay. The two brothers who go, uh, you know, travel across the country killing demons and ghosts and all this stuff. Um, well, one of the main characters... He had to, you know, con a bunch of demons or lie to him or something. And the other main character is like, well, why are you going to lie to him? And then the, the main character says, well, that's how you become president. And this was during Obama when Obama was president. So this gets a laugh out of my mother. Yep. Um, just because she thinks it's making fun of Obama. Right. Then the next week, this same main character, he gets transported into a future where everything is apocalyptic. And then you see on the uh, newspapers, President Sarah Palin. My mother is completely silent. Hmm. And there's other anecdotes like this, but um, this is the one that sticks out in my head the most. They don't really think the stuff's funny. They just want to, they, they want to laugh. They want to, they see themselves as being team players by laughing at the stuff that for political reasons, they think they're supposed to be laughing at. Correct. Gotcha. It's a per- perfectly plausible hypothesis. Yeah, but I, that's I've noticed you've had two videos about yeah. Jim Brewer uh, doing that stupid uh, bad comedy as well as Gutfeld. You're saying like this is what this is what these right wingers find funny. And you I know, guess there's another, you're actually making me think I actually wouldn't be surprised if to some degree a lot of these right wingers don't actually understand comedy and satire at all, whether it's left or right wing. And they're really just taking social cues where they are aware that Brewer's a comedian and they are sort of like in the idea this is supposed to be funny, but they they would they don't get his comedy and they wouldn't get Chris Rock's comedy either. They just don't get comedy and they're just laughing based on the social expectations that they identify. No, I think, yeah, there's that actually reminds me of when what you were showing me from Brewer. Um, it's like you hear the obnoxious voices he's making and uh, you're you know that this is supposed to be the funny part I right think, like they know that his obnoxious voices they're supposed to laugh at that yeah so they laugh even harder because it's um you know it's they it's know that that's what's sometimes you know when you're supposed to clap and so you can know when you're supposed to laugh too yes exactly yeah. interesting exactly. interesting like, i think i well think there's a lot to what you're saying time. quite frankly Thank you. Thank you. All right, David from Philadelphia. Thank you very much for the call. I appreciate it. Let's go to Logan from Seattle. Logan, welcome to the program. Logan, welcome to the program. Logan from Seattle. And last chance for Logan from Seattle. Welcome to the program. No, Logan, that is really too bad. And that was going to have to be a short call anyway, because I'm at the end of our time for today. We will take calls again. I appreciate everybody that I was able to speak to today. We'll take a quick break and continue with the Friday show right after this. Follow us on social media, interact with the David Pakman show community, see exclusive content, see when we're taking calls live and stay up to date on other big show announcements. We post daily. Find us on Reddit, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Discord and TikTok. All right, it is mailbag time. Well into the depths of the mailbag, as you can imagine now uh, towards the 
uh, end of January. You can email info at davidpackman.com if you would like. You can also sometimes be featured in the mailbag based on uh, YouTube comments, Facebook messages, tweets, not typically TikTok uh, posts or responses, but maybe someday. In any case, let's just jump right in because there is so much meaty substance this week. Uh, Jeremy wrote in to me about critical race theory. And Jeremy says, David, I've been listening to your show for a while now, and you are so triggered about critical race theory. You were in a meltdown talking about Arkansas banning CRT in their schools. Honestly, why are you so upset about this if they supposedly don't teach it in the first place? It seems like you support CRT in schools. I seriously want to know if you do. Listen, um, I am not melting down about what's happening in Arkansas. I'm worried that a disastrous state is just wasting money, time and resources on things that won't help them improve education. Arkansas is a disaster on education. I gave you all of the statistics in my segment last week about Sarah Huckabee Sanders banning critical race theory. What upsets me about it is that the people of Arkansas voted for someone who was clearly being selected to do this type of nonsense virtue signaling rather than fixing the economy or getting jobs there or dealing with the the horrible educational numbers or any of it. She bans something that just isn't happening, and she claims to be a small government conservative. So I have no plans to live in Arkansas. I feel bad for the people that that do in the sense that it's not even just that culturally I couldn't take it. They have had a string of leaders that just waste their taxpayer money, of which they don't really have that much, quite frankly. Arkansas very much depending on the federal dole um, and do things that are just a waste of time and money. So it's not that I'm melting down. It's that it's a terrible thing for the people of Arkansas. And I feel bad for them. I feel very, very bad for them. Um, Trump uh, DL wrote in about Trump and says, why are you so obsessed with Trump? Get over it. You never talk about the Biden crime family. They have been corrupt for over 40 years, maybe because of your age. You didn't know this, but you could educate yourself now. Looks like the Dems want him out. He's a fool. Even Obama mentioned it on tape. Obama. I don't know what DL is talking about. I have no idea what he's talking about. And remember, Biden crime family. Investigate Biden for the classified document stuff. If there was wrongdoing, do whatever you need to do. But keep investigating Trump as well, because the situations are very different. Hunter Biden. If Hunter Biden did something criminal or potentially criminal, law enforcement and the Justice Department should investigate, charge the guy if he's guilty, throw him in jail. I don't care. But for Republicans to make Hunter Biden the foremost political issue is disgusting. Hunter Biden has nothing to do with the Biden administration, unlike Ivanka and Jared and so on, um, and to take up congressional time as they plan to do investigating Hunter. Give me a break. It's pathetic. So I don't know what DL is talking about, but DL seems very, very triggered. Justin wrote in. Justin says, I treat your show like the news because I'm not particularly fond of TV news, though I do watch other TV commentary like Chris Hayes, that Lawrence guy, Ari and others from MSNBC. I actually listen to all of them through clips on YouTube. You should have a segment on your show 
where you cover multiple recent headlining national and international stories, five to seven, offer quick commentary and move on to the next thing. You'd pick up people looking for quick news. You know, we tried this and nobody watched it. There's this interesting thing that happens, and I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. I really don't, Justin. But sometimes when you do your show a certain way for a while and you build an audience based on that, it's easy to think, hey, you know, if I did this other thing that other people have success with, I would just double my success. I would do so, so, so well. But oftentimes when you test those things, it doesn't happen. And I don't know the reason why. Maybe it's because I've been pigeonholed into doing the type of show I do. Maybe it's because I wouldn't be good at doing a five to seven story news segment back for whatever reason. When we tried it, nobody watched it. I am always interested in trying new formats and ideas, but that particular one didn't work when we tried it in the past. Dave wrote in and says, I enjoy watching your YouTube posts. That said, it is quite distracting when you're playing back things and pause to make comments. I'd rather hear more of the video and then hear your take on it. So listen, this has been a disagreement among some of my audience for a long time. I have taken the position based on what I do and the emails that I've received that most people are watching this, listening to this to hear my commentary. Now you could say, well, fine, but keep your commentary for after the clip. When I did that, we tested doing that. I got a ton of emails from people saying, David, I, you know, I get that news stations will often just play a clip in its entirety and then like say something later. But the reason I'm watching you is actually for you to pause and break down, break it down piece by piece. So, David, this is just a preference. And with peace and love, I appreciate that you don't like it. Every time we've adjudicated this, every time we've investigated this, the, the consensus is the majority, not everybody, but the majority is. David, keep doing it the way you do it. When you want to pause and tell us something about the clip, let us know. Zachary wrote in. Now, this one, this is tongue in cheek, okay? Zachary says, David, I've been listening to your show for years, and the last few weeks you've been talking about George Santos and his supposed lies. To think somebody would spread such horrible claims about the first man on the moon is sickening. Not only that, he is the president of the United States, the king of England, and the world's tallest man. So have some respect. You should be ashamed of yourself, David. Do better. The, the king of England thing is funny. I once interviewed a guy named David Wynn Miller, who's since passed away. May he rest in peace. Um, and he David Wynn Miller was known for I believe he did anyway. If he's still alive, then I apologize. David Wynn Miller was known for, te- quote, teaching people to stuff their names full of punctuation marks like semicolons and dashes and stuff, which he said would make you non taxable. It didn't work. People would get thrown in jail for contempt when they tried it. But he claimed that he was the king of Hawaii. Um, it was it was quite a ride, I have to tell you. Uh, but in any case, <laughs> George Santos, yes, a very, very honest man. Jeff wrote in and says, good morning. I find it hypocritical that the people questioning vaccines due to some athletes having health issues are so fast to dismiss why we are seeing once in a generation weather events that seem to be occurring monthly. I'd like to hear your thoughts. Thanks for the great content. So here's the deal. This is a very common thing in politics, 
left and right do it. But right now it's being weaponized much more by the right. If you find an anomaly and you want to use it to claim that it is the status quo, you do it. And if you find an anomaly and it is useful for it to be merely an anomaly, then you say it's just an anecdote. It's just an anomaly. And so although climate science tells us that we should expect exactly what we've been seeing, extreme high temperatures, extreme low temperatures, weather events being more serious, more frequent hurricanes, being all these different things. That's not the story that works. So they say this is just weather. It's not climate. Forget about it, whatever. On the other hand, when it comes to uh, an expected number of young people dying, remember, we went through the numbers. There has not actually been an increase. They want to tell the story that it's an epidemic because of the vaccine. They just do it. Uh, The facts and the science simply do not matter. Andrew wrote in and says Marjorie Taylor Greene on the Homeland Security Committee with Marjorie Taylor Greene on this committee asks Andrew, should I as a Jew be concerned about the investigation of our space lasers? Listen, Andrew. If they want to come and take the space lasers, that's one thing. But if Marjorie Taylor Greene comes from my chocolate babka, she will take it from my cold, dead hands that I guarantee you, sir. Michelle wrote in about trolls. (laughs) Speaking of which, more comments tonight from listeners who scorn you, David. I find it astounding and sad that there are so many people who have nothing better to do than listen to podcasters they dislike. Personally, I struggle to find time to keep up with the podcasters and news sources that I like. I can't imagine wasting time following anyone I disliked. I guess some people just aren't happy unless they're hating someone, hating on someone. So sad. Yeah, this is a really good point. I don't have the time to watch the shows I want to watch, to keep up with the podcasts I like. I don't have time for it to read the books I want to read. The idea that I would waste any time with the stuff I don't like is uh, is laughable. But again, these people have no lives, Michelle. That's what you have to remember. Info at davidpackman.com. If you have something to say to me, say it to my face. And I mean that by email. Info at davidpackman.com. We have such a great week of programs coming up for you next week, but we have the bonus show first. Oh, the bonus show where you want to make money. Everybody else that makes money to fund themselves is bad. Thank your lucky stars every day. You're not Dave Pacman. Well, many in our audience do, Alex. You can sign up at joinpacman.com. Let's make it a thing. We'll see you then.